Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you've done Good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Nancy, and I'm your host for tonight. I'm with my wonderful co-host, Miss Victoria. And we are so honored to be serving tonight on NASCA Stop Child Abuse Now radio show. And number 3293. And we hope that we have a few callers tonight. The guest line to call in is 646-595-2118. Again, that's 646-595-2118. And I will begin by uh, reading our mission statement. Okay. Uh, We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. So NASCA stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. Again, I'm your host tonight, Dr. Nancy, and I'm with my wonderful co-host, Ms. Victoria. We're so honored to be here tonight. Ms. Victoria, good evening. Okay. Well, we want to um, be able to introduce our guests, Um, so I'm going to uh, read the guest bio. Tonight's special guest is Robert Stark from Thousand Oaks, California, making his first visit to NASCA. Born in Chicago, he was terrified of his father and clung to his mother, who seemed to be very loving and safe. He had two younger siblings and and nine years old, uh, the family, and at nine years old, the family moved to California. Growing up, my father was critical and raged infrequently, um, Robert says. 
I was very afraid of him, and I avoided him whenever possible. He was strict, but not abusive. When he was 15 years old, his 14-year-old sister told their mother that their father had been sexually abusing her from seven years old. My mother told me it has sickened me to my very core. I borrowed a 22 rifle from a friend because I was going to kill my father. But fortunately, he didn't go through with it. Oh, but fortunately, he didn't go through with it. Thank God. Uh, I was very shy through all my school years and into my 20s. We moved frequently, and I was always the new kid in school. I got married at 21 and promptly had three children, he goes on. I did not finish high school, but did get my GED while in the Navy, he goes on. I married an Italian woman and was married for 27 years. She passed away last year. I've only been married once. She did not remarry. He did not, uh, she did not remarry either. We were separated for 31 years when she passed. At 49 years old, Robert found ACA, and that stands for Adult Children of Alcoholics, and has been a member since. ACA and the fellowship have been one of the best parts of my life. Most 98% of the people I associate with are from some 12-step program. He's 81 now, and his purpose in life is to be of service to men, helping men to become the men God meant them to be, he concludes. I have so many men in my life that I never feel lonely. Men call me daily for help in their lives. I'm honored that the men call me. I enjoy life and grateful for what God provided me with. Wow. Uh, without further ado, um, I would love to welcome our special guest tonight, Sir Robert Stark. Welcome so much. Thank you for being here tonight and for uh, agreeing to share your story. Well, thank you very much. I'm honored to be here. Yeah. You know, um, so welcome to NASCA. I know it sounds like this is your first time here. It's what? Say that again. I'm sorry. My hearing is a little bit off, so. Okay. No, I said we welcome you to NASCA. Thank you for joining us tonight. It, it looks like this is your first time ever on the show. Correct. Okay. So thank you again for uh, for sharing your story. If you can just, you know, t- kind of walk us through some of your life experiences, and you can start with your earlier years growing up, what it was like to grow up with your parents, and um, if you can just start walking us through some of your story, that would be great. Well, as I mentioned in my bio, I was uh, born in Oak Park, Chicago, a middle-class family, at least that's what I was under the impression it was, and uh my sister, April, uh, was 11 months younger than I am, and then my brother came along about six years later. And that whole time, we lived in the same apartment in Chicago. And uh, after that, for some reason, my parents moved around quite a bit. I remember living on, on people's uh, sofas and uh, living at uh, my 
dad's mom's place. And so that blew up into a big argument between my dad and his mother. And just moving around, I was always the, the new kid in the block, uh, skinny as hell, and uh, had to uh, prove myself by getting in a fight with somebody. And uh, they, uh, and it was not fights like today. It was just, you know, one punch in the nose and whoever got the first bloody nose lost and the other guy won. So uh, when I was nine, well, during uh, the late 40s, I think my dad and my uncle came out to California and my father saw the weather in January it was beautiful. And so he uh, decided to pack up the whole family in 1951 and we came out here my mother did not like the idea of coming out to California. She was not happy about moving out here and gave my dad a lot of trouble about it. And uh, I just remember that they had an old 51, well, it wasn't old at the time, a 1951 Kaiser that we were all in. Uh, my sister and I and all the clothes and stuff were in the back seat. Plus the trunk was full of stuff and my sister, my brother and my mom and dad were in the front seat. So even on that, on one of those journeys back and forth to California and back to Chicago, because my mother was unhappy here. Uh, one of those uh, journeys, we, uh, I guess my parents were, I know they were arguing, they were arguing and uh, my dad stopped. My mom got out of the car. So of course my sister, myself and my little brother were, terrified that my dad was going to leave my my mother little did i know he was a full codependent and uh went back and got her and uh they lived together until they died even though they argued a lot uh so i've learned in through the 12-step work i've done that they were both codependent and uh so we get to california and First, we move into West Hollywood area, home on what, San Vicente Boulevard in, in West Hollywood. And uh, now it is a, the home we rented was a parking lot now, is a parking lot now. And uh, uh, then we moved a couple places in you know, West Hollywood or around there. And then in 19, let's see, 1955, we moved to Sherman Oaks. And same thing, new school, moved a few places, Sherman Oaks, Encino, Studio City. So it, it was very difficult. I mean, I don't have any old school friends because we moved so much, I never, never connected with anybody. So, and then uh, at 17, I left home and uh, joined the Navy when I turned 18. And uh, went to boot camp and then went to communications training school in uh, Imperial Beach, California. And then they shipped me off to uh, outside of Istanbul, Turkey. And I was there for uh, 18, 19 months. And it was interesting. It was very, very interesting. It was very backwards at the time. I don't know how it is now, but that was 1960s one when I transferred there, were sent there, 1961. And then I was there for 19 months, uh, had a pretty good time. And then I got fortunate and was uh, uh, shipped to uh, 
Naples, Italy, which was like heaven on earth compared to Naples, I mean, to Istanbul, Turkey. So uh, in those days, uh, the women were wearing string bikinis while they, the people here were wearing a full, full, uh, full uh, uh, bathing suit. So it was quite a, quite a treat for a young man. Uh, and so I was, uh, I had a great time in Italy. I, I learned as much of the language as I could. I studied it all the time and became fairly fluent in it and just in conversational fluent and, uh, had a lot of fun, dated some English girls, dated some Italian girls. And the last, uh, girl I dated, uh, she was 18. We met in 1963 in Naples and we dated and uh, we married in uh, February 22nd, 1964. And uh, I got discharged in Naples because I wanted to wait for her. And because I didn't have a job because I get discharged, my parents uh, sponsored my wife to come to to America. And, uh, you know, we just started a family. Uh, She was a great wife. I didn't realize how great a wife she was until I started talking to a lot of men and what they go through with their wives uh, nowadays. So uh, my wife's name was Anna Maria and a beautiful lady, beautiful woman, and uh, did a great job as a mother and a wife, uh, worked hard and uh, helped me along the way a lot. Um, Then uh, because of my... ACA issues, shall we say, uh, I decided I didn't want to be married anymore, so I got uh, separated and divorced at 49 years old. And fortunately, and I won't get into the story because it's a long story, I found ACA. And a lot of that's thanks to my to Anna Maria, my wife, or at that time, ex-wife. And, uh, and I've been a... a I just ACA is a way to life. I met so many wonderful people. I learned about myself because when I came into ACA, I didn't think that there was any dysfunction in my family. Uh, I thought it was just my father was all messed up, and if he would leave, everything would be fine. Didn't realize that uh, this is a you know a family disease. My mother was the alcoholic. And uh, I think she drank until she just about died because the only way I could get her to eat any food towards the very last days of her life, I'd have to offer her whiskey. And uh, and she'd pick at the little bit of food I would cut up and stuff. But uh, then when she wouldn't accept the whiskey anymore, then I knew she was, uh, it was over for her. And... Uh, and I just I joined ACA, and it's just it was such a beautiful experience to know that I wasn't alone in my crazy thinking or my self-deprecation or my self-doubts, my fears, and all that. I didn't I realized I was not alone, and that's that's very encouraging and strengthened my character a lot. I, I had a lot of friends; they understood what I was going to, or what I had gone through growing up, 
And uh, so it's it's just a wonderful uh, place to go, the, the program, the people in the meetings, because everybody's there to get some healing, to look at themselves, because uh, ACAs, as, as all 12-step programs, we're here, we're there to look within and how we need to, what changes we need to make. In fact, the ACA serenity prayer, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but the ACA serenity prayer is God, grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change, the courage to change the people I can, and the wisdom to know the diff, no, excuse me, and the wisdom to know that one is me. So, I think, did I say that right? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but to look within, we're in charge of our lives. Like, uh, you know, happiness is an inside job. Nobody can make me happy. I can, uh, I can't make anybody else happy, and I can't change anybody else but myself. And this whole experience in the 12-step uh, movement and the ACA part of it has just been a, been a beautiful experience for me. I've met so many wonderful people, uh, done so many wonderful things, and, uh, and I, I enjoy it to this day. I, I go to every meeting I can go to. There's three in our area now, and I now have two meetings just for men in my house. Um, every week, so I I, uh, I spend a lot of time talking with men and uh, mentoring them as much as uh, you know with what I've learned in life and what I've learned from other men about their lives. So it's not just all what I've learned; it's what I've learned from others, and others have taught me. And uh, so my purpose in life and it keeps me going and keeps me going strong and happy is that I, is to be of service to men and not to uh, to the exclusion of women, but I know I can't help a woman. I think uh, God and men help men and God and women help women. And uh, I believe that... Uh, much of the time when I'm talking to a man and I come up with a, we, we come up together with a solution to whatever he's dealing with at the time. It's, I always ask God to come into the, into the uh, conversation because I don't have the answer. But it seems like talking to men together over what's going on, the answer seems to appear. I can't take any credit for it. It just seems to appear. Um, so that's, that's it in a nutshell. I probably skipped over, you know, 75 years of my life, but <laughs> that's all I have. Um, right Robert, now. You did a great job. That's a, you did a great this job. This is Victoria. I was wondering, sorry, I was just wondering if, um, yeah. you could tell people what, uh, ACA is because I don't know if a lot of people know what the initials stand for. I know most people know AA, but, um, a lot of people aren't familiar with oh, ACA okay. and maybe you could explain right. a little bit about that. Thank you. Okay, uh, ACA is Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families. 
and it covers uh, anybody raised in a dysfunctional family, which uh, in my estimation, there's very few people that haven't been raised with some dysfunction, even right. though it, uh, it doesn't seem that way. And it's uh, especially people, it was started by Alateens, uh, teenagers that were the, the offspring of alcoholics, right? And these teenagers didn't want to go into Al-Anon, which is uh, for adults uh, married to or have a alcoholic in their life. And they didn't want to go with the old fogies, right? So they started their own thing. It was called Generations. And then the um, Tony A is our basic founder. He was a 50-year-old old alcoholic that helped it get off the ground in New York, by the way. And uh, we consider him our founder. And uh, it's just a program of children that have been abused, whether you know it or not, there's some type of um, very subtle abuse. I mean, I've worked with men that say, I don't know why I'm in this program. My family was perfect, you know, they were just great. And then uh-huh. we start talking into their, pardon me? Yeah, no, I was just talking. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I talked to these men and we start getting into their uh, their backgrounds and their family and all that. And I, they'd tell me something. I said, uh, would you do that to your children? Oh, my God, no. Well, I said, that sounds, that, that was pretty mean. Well, uh, you know, they minimized it, you know, and I see mm-hmm. the, that me as a, I also minimized it when I got into uh, ACA. I didn't know I came from a dysfunctional family. I thought my dad was messed up. And if he'd leave, we'd all be fine. But uh, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you I for sharing that. Got into, I got into ACA when, uh, uh, 40 years ago. And uh, I've oh, been, wow. I'm still before me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 61, so uh, yeah, I got in at uh, at 21 when I started therapy and everything. My therapist just said, "Well, here's a group for you." Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's interesting because when I first got into the program, there were a lot of therapists that were told to go to ACA. Yeah. To learn, you know, to to get experience with this. I haven't seen that happen in a long time now, but it used to happen a lot back in the early 90s. Yeah. Sorry, so, Dr. Nancy. Yeah. In the inter- yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's okay. No worries. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm, and I'm glad that you did ask that question because there are a lot of people that don't know what that stands for. Um, and so yes. thank you for, for that clarity. Mm-hmm. So I wanted oh, to um, kind of just, yep. I want to just kind of bring you back a little bit to your earlier years. Um, I know you shared, mm-hmm. you know, the history. Like you gave us kind of a a run through of of what happened during that time. I know yes. that you shared um, that you know you clung to your mother and you were terrified of your father. Can you tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. that relationship between your mother and your father? Well, it seemed combative to me, although, it, I mean, it's, you know, they, 
God, that's hard to say. I mean, it's so long ago, but it was, uh, they stayed together till death did that part. And, uh, and, uh, my mom complained about my dad to me, almost like a surrogate spouse, which was very damaging to me in the, in the, in the, uh, the aspect of, of, uh, wanting to grow up to be a man because I was her good little boy. And, uh, Thank God I was able to, you know, join the military and get away from the family for four years. Uh, I think that helped me a lot. Uh, they they got they got along most of the time it seemed, and my dad was very jealous, and my mom was, uh, well, promiscuous as far as I know. Um, so, and before I used to think my dad was the bad guy, and my mom was the good guy. But the more I've learned, I can see how my mother actually, in some respects, tortured my father with her, you know, she was uh, outgoing, she's pretty outgoing, and my dad was jealous and and pushing buttons big time, and uh, I have a lot more compassion for my father. Um, I still don't know how about his his sexually abusing my sister, that's, you know, I don't know to what to make of that. I forgive him because he's a human being and uh, he was damaged in his childhood or he wouldn't have done that. Um, at least that's my belief now. I think that uh, his mother, who outlived him by 23 years, uh, she, uh, she was really a She's a bitch. Let's call it what it is, you know. She's a bitch. And uh, even when my wife and I first came to the country, she's talking to my wife, Anna, Anna Maria, saying that, uh, oh, he's just using you, right, to go to school and stuff. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty damaging, you know. And then another thing, my dad had a sister who died just around the time I was born. And his mother, my grandmother, uh, said she wished it was him, not his her daughter. So I'm sure that hurt a lot. And uh, but that's just that's just that's just the way she treated him. His whole life. Did your father father have any issues with substance abuse at all that you know of? No, my mom was the alcoholic. My dad was, uh, he could drink, but he, uh, he wasn't, he didn't drink often. And okay, my so mother's alcoholism was, yeah, but I, I didn't, she was very functioning, especially when I grew up. And uh, I didn't realize she was an alcoholic till I was in my mid-30s. So I had no idea she was an alcoholic until then. And uh, my sister denied it until until she died. She didn't think her mother was alcohol. Our mother was alcoholic. But unfortunately, my brother, who's six years younger, he died about eight years ago. Of uh, and he was uh, heavily into drugs and alcohol. Um, and I think you know my sister and I left home the same time. I was 17, she was 16, and we led with, with some friends, actually friends of my parents at the time, 
and uh, um, the brother was left with my father, who was, I don't know what he did to my brother, but uh, I think he really abused him um, because my dad had this kind I guess, I think some kind of a sadistic bent to him. I'm not sure. I just know that he, uh, the reason I think that is the way he trained his dogs, you know, like uh, the, the, when uh, when I got back from the military, he had this nice, big, beautiful dog, and and he had it trained in such a way the dog wouldn't wouldn't move. It just seemed a little cruel to me. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's my I, I have no idea what my little brother went through when my sister and I were gone. I'm sure he went through a lot. Uh, I'm sure, because my mother was working. My dad was self-employed sales guy, so he was home a lot. And I, my brother was uh, was really terrified when he'd see it. our dad. One time over at my house and my wife's house, Anna, um, my parents were coming over, and my brother was there, and, boy, he needed some... Xanax, he needed some uh, Valium, and he needed some alcohol. He was so nervous. And he was uh, probably in his mid-30s at the time. So the the, um, the, the impact my father had on him is, uh, is really sad. I can see why he went into drugs and alcohol. And he had, my brother had eight children, that we know of. Um, and it was very hard for me to be around them because he treated he treated his kids worse than my dad treated his kids. Or maybe not as bad as, you know, because when April and I were gone for all those years, we don't have any idea how my father treated my brother. But the way he treated his children, I couldn't bear to be around it. It was too painful to see the way he treated them. So, I mean, going off on a tangent maybe about my brother's life. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. It affects us where our siblings are treated as well. It couldn't, you know, it totally affects us. Um, Dr. Nancy, we also have another caller, and I'm going to see if he's, this is Bob, and I'm going to see if he has any questions. Um, or uh, oh, comments yeah. about uh, Robert. Sorry, so I'll bring him on. Hi, Bob. How are uh, you this evening? Uh, well, hold on. Let me get your mic on. Not going on. Hold on a minute. There we go. That, Hi, Bob. That's better. It always works um, better when I'm unmuted. <laughs> yeah, I just like to say um, good day to Robert. I've been trying to find you on Facebook to send you a friend request. Because um, oh. our journeys are so uh, similar, um, yeah. The ACA program that you talked about here in Australia, it was known as adult children of absent parents, and that just means, you know, <laughs> they could be absent in many ways. And yeah, that, that, that course was fundamental for me. 
and uh-huh. and look, I'm seven, I'm 71 now, and um, um, in service to others, I hold a, I've spent mm-hmm. I'm more widely known on the internet than I am in my local community. So I've started men's support groups here, and um, and mm-hmm. that's that's going really well. Um, yeah, it's I love I love the way you sound your you said you found your purpose, you know, which is to, mm-hmm. to serve others, how it gives you that zest for life. And for me, um, my mission, I'm on a mission to eradicate suicide. And, I've, you know, I've never felt mm. so alone in my life. Um, and through the work I've done, through personal life experience and research since 1984, um, childhood abuse uh, sets people up for... Uh, depression and addiction and lots of mm-hmm. other things and depression leads to suicide and in our society um, the general response to somebody there's a lot of talk at the moment um, here in Australia I don't know what it's like globally everybody's focusing mm-hmm. on suicide prevention um, but for me that's mm-hmm. too little too late um, I think yeah. we need re-education like when somebody presents with the signs and symptoms of depression, they, you know, instead of the first option to them is take this pill and you won't feel the pain. And that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. The the first option should be, you know, join a support group, join a men's group. There are ways through this that don't involve um, disconnecting you from the really good parts of you, which are your feelings. And that, and it, it's, it was through feeling that I did the healing of the wounds of my childhood. So I salute you, sir. And if I can't find you on Facebook, please send me a friend request. Uh, my name is Bob Eden, E-D-E-N, and I'm the one that's sailing in paradise. <laughs> uh, hey, Bob, I'm, uh, I'm not on Facebook. Um, oh, okay. So that's why you couldn't find me. Uh, I'm trying to think, how can you find me? Um, I guess that, I mean, if the show What's could it? get, ha, it, the show has my email address, so you can give it to you, you know, without broadcasting it to the whole world. Right. I, uh, I can uh, I can contact Bob. Can and, you give um, it give to him, Bob? Yes, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can do it. So Bob, I'm right. get my, yeah, on this connection with and Bob, we yeah. can communicate. But thank yeah, you so it, much, it'd be, Bob. It'd be good, Robert, because um, I'm a, a, a mariner, a ship's captain, and, you know, um, mm-hmm. crews on, on ships work in watches. So we could we could have our own two-bob watch. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's great. That's great, Bob. Thanks. It's good to hear from you. Thank you so much. No, it's, thank it's always you so nice much. Kindred spirit. Yes, yes, thank you. That's great. I'm glad oh, to hear there's others like you. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> well, you know, and there's some uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, one statistic I came across for um, the last figures that were published by the World Health Organization were about 2019, and they said that there's about 280 million people suffering from depression globally. And yeah, as, as we all know, uh, 
the evolution of consciousness is exponential. And with all this crazy COVIDiacy, COVIDiacy that's gone on in the four years from that, since then, I just got a feeling that there that that figures more like 500 million people globally are suffering from depression, and they do not have to. And for me, that is the pandemic, and there there is a cure, and I'm living proof of that. So that's that's why wow. I'm so fired up about my mission. <laughs> Excellent, Bob. I like Excellent. your mission. That's yeah. great. Yeah. No, thank Love you, me. brother. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank Bob. Thank you for sharing, Bob. We no always worries. love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to kind of get back to the story for a minute. Um, I know you shared that, you know, that you had, um, you know, your your siblings. And uh, now I know your brother, to any of you all while he was little, and say anything at all that maybe now you can look back and say, well, he did say this, or he was there any sign? No sign at all, actually, because, you know, my sister and I are trying to save our own butts, right? So uh, I was mm-hmm. 17, she was 16, and then I didn't return home till I was 22 and married. Uh and my brother was, you know, 16 years old at the time, and uh, he seemed okay. I mean, he was a lot faster to our, parent, our parents than I would ever be. So apparently uh, he felt like he could say things that shocked the hell out of me because there's no way when I was growing up I could talk to my parents that way, nor would I want to, Well, my, especially my dad. My mom and I, you know, she was cool. I never wanted to hurt her. Uh, uh, I had no problem with her. I still don't have a problem, but I realized that she, my dad, wasn't the only issue in this. Uh, she had as much to do with, or and in my case, I think more to do with some of my struggles than my dad. And I think she helped me by complaining about him all the time to be more afraid of him instead of going towards him. And and one thing I've learned, that fathers are about a thousand times more important than I ever thought because I didn't think I was important because I didn't think my father was important. So, and that unfortunately, I think I passed that on to my son, who is now 55 years old. Uh, my daughters seem to be doing a lot better than my son, and I think part of that problem is that I did not bond with my son when he was growing up. I mean, I was there for him. I was all his events. I picked him up and took him to, took him to school and back, and I was always there, but I didn't make the connection that I promote men to do to have spot-welding moments with their sons because in order for a uh, a boy to grow up to be a man, he has to connect to the masculine energy. And uh, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't bond with my son because I didn't think he liked me because I didn't like my father. So there's where the dysfunction gets sent. You know, like it goes downhill, right? Like we say in ACA, we got uh, the bundle and we pass it to our children, and then our children pass it to their children. 
and on and on and on, right? From, uh, from Adam and Eve all the way down to you and me. Do you think that there's a link between um, having been through what you went through and how it affected you with your children or your child and then the same for your brother? Well, with my, my, I made a vow that I would never make my children afraid of me, right? I didn't, and they weren't afraid. They're still not afraid of me. Uh, they shouldn't be. Uh, they weren't. Uh, I mean, you know, I wasn't, I didn't rage. Uh, I didn't punish severely, you know, just enough to let them know that uh, they made a mistake. Very little, very mild. And, uh, but they were very, they, they were taught to be respectful and to, uh, you know, to obey, but uh, they weren't afraid of me. I was always there for them and they weren't afraid. And, but, uh, so that's the vow I made to myself. Now, I think my brother, I know my sister through the sexual abuse was definitely abused a hundred times more, a thousand times more than me. But my little brother, I think he really got the hammer. He really got hammered badly, which uh, I had no idea. Uh, you know, so. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Did anybody else? I think Bob called. Yeah, Bob, Bob dropped. Um, I, will, I also wanted to mention that um, October is uh, Domestic Violence Awareness and uh, Prevention Month. And um, oh. I always like to point out that um, a lot of people don't know, but, um, uh, you know, when, when there's domestic violence of any sort, emotional, physical, you know, whatever abuse is going on, um, that children that are exposed to that is also child abuse. And because uh, I oh, know absolutely. I've worked with women in the Batter Women's Shelter, and, and, you know, they have enough shame about staying in a relationship themselves, you know, because a lot of people just, mm-hmm. you know, are always shaming, shaming and blaming victims. And uh, then when you bring up the children were abused, they'll say, oh, he didn't hit them or sexually abused them or whatever. And I said, just yeah. being in the abuse is abuse, you know, and then they shame and blame themselves for that, you know, and I said, wait a minute, I'm not shaming and blaming you. We need to put the blame back on the abuser where it has always belonged and hold them accountable. You you know, you got out, you, and we don't even say I left my abuser or I left my husband, whatever. I escaped. I escaped and you escaped from your family, you know, and, uh, and then the right. other thing about NASCAR, we don't compare abuse because all child abuse is not okay. You know, none of it. Right. Oh, none of no, it. exactly. Right. 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 You know, and right. my brother, um, we left um, my parents. I was one. It was on my birthday. And my brother was two and, or two and a half. My brother was three and a half. And he can remember back when we were kids, he said that he used to break open chicken bones and show us how to eat the marrow. And he also remembers me being abused and him not being able to protect me, you know, and that had yeah. a huge effect on his life. Even though we weren't raised yep. together, you know, that was always, you know, even at three and a half and before he remembers that, you know, and even mm. if we can't say in our memory, remember things like, you know, they got that, um, 
that book about your body remembers. I can't think of the name of it, but, um, you know, oh, our yeah. bodies and our minds yeah. and our spirits and everything else remember all that. And when I got into ACA, mm-hmm. I was raised by my grandparents, and I didn't know what I was doing there. And, uh, you know, I started listening to other people because, yeah, I didn't define what had happened to me in my grandparents' home as abuse because I wasn't getting pounded on, you know, and I wasn't getting sex abused by them and, you know, these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it was really yep. hard when I started going to therapy because I felt like I was betraying them by, by talking about wow. the fan secrets, you know. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things ACA struggle with is they feel like they're betraying their their parents, mm-hmm. but the betrayal was already done to them. Right. And uh, we say that uh, uh, abuse, uh, witnessed abuse is just as bad as being abused. And uh, that's so true. You know, you don't have to be hit. But you can, uh, if if you see your mother being hit or a sibling being hit by a parent or a Mm -hmm. father, that's definitely abuse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my grandparents never hit each other, but they were, they were alcoholics. And um, Mm -hmm. they also um, were very verbally abusive to each other. And, you know, just Mm -hmm. discounted us and, you know, you know, but you think about all that and you think, you know, you think of the word abuse and, and it's, it's hard to define, you know, like if I get my arm broken or mm-hmm. punched in the face, whatever, I can go look in the mirror, go to the doctor, whatever. But when that emotional right. and spiritual abuse happens, you can't just walk and look in the mirror, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, like it's eating me from the inside out. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, have you been able to heal from some of that? If you, if oh, definitely, definitely. Better. I couldn't even, when I escaped yeah. from my biological father when I was 21, I couldn't even put three words together. I mean, I would go to meetings and hold myself on the chair, and I uh, actually oh, yeah. have also 37 years of sobriety and uh, 40 years yeah. in ACA and, and Al-Anon, and I'm, oh, I've yeah, got 37 likewise. years off drugs and alcohol. I sobered up when I was 24. Oh, wow, good for you. That's yeah. awesome. And so good job. And so for those who are listening, there's hope, you know, um, there's hope for men, there's hope for women, and we can always mm-hmm. get through these times. Um, you know, I wanted to, Robert, I wanted to get back to your story, if we could, mm-hmm. because sure. time is going to fly before you know it. Um, so I wanted to well, you tell us a little bit, <laughs> it's already flying. If you could just tell us a little bit about, you know, how was that experience for you when you found that, that your sister said she was being abused? Because you didn't personally have an experience with him regarding, like, any type of uh, sexual no. abuse. But hearing this from your sister, did you believe her? Because a lot of times when people tell, they fear that nobody's going to believe them. Did she make a big scene in front of everybody? Did she right. tell you privately? What happened? Well, apparently my sister told my mother after my, apparently my dad had grounded my sister and she wouldn't apologize. And my mom said, why don't you just apologize, you know? And apparently it got to the point where my sister told my mom you know, not apologizing to that bastard and, and, and it 
came out, I guess. She was 14. My sister, April, was a beautiful girl, blonde. And uh, in high school, I was known as April's brother. I wasn't known as my own self. <laughs> well, you're April's brother. Yeah, huh? Because she was a beautiful blonde girl and blue eyes and a very pretty girl. And she struggled with the sexual abuse up to the, she just died a few months ago of uh, Alzheimer. And um, she was 80 when she died, because she's 11 months younger than me. Uh, she, would, she was talking about what happened to her at 80. And I really, in my heart, believe the sexual abuse without taking, without uh, doing recovery work on it and, and, and expressing it and grieving it and doing whatever has to be done for that, I think it took her life early, earlier than she would have. And even if it wasn't earlier, she was in pain. She was in her, her emotional pain was transmitted into her gut. She felt she would pound, punch her stomach because it hurt so much, but there was nothing wrong there. Doctors couldn't find a thing wrong with her, that area of her body. And uh, so, you know, I, I've shared that in ACA meetings here in Thousand Oaks, California, just so women who that have experienced sexual abuse realize that it's so important to, to uh, to take action, because I offered ACA to my sister and my brother in 1991, and, uh, you know, um, they just didn't need it. You know, they're fine, right? And, uh, you know, you can only uh, you can lead a horse to water, that thing, right? So they didn't go, and they both died in... Well, my brother died in his mid-60s. I'm the oldest and the only one left. So somehow, I think by joining the Navy and getting out of Dodge, I um, I saved my own ass. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know what I mean? So, there's a book. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. I wasn't going to say anything. Okay. Um, there's a book. There's a book you said. Oh yeah. Well, you know, there's a book called "The Body Keeps the Score." A lot of times we share that book on yeah. the show. We talk about it because, to be quite mm-hmm. honest with you, whatever you know, when you're dealing with pain, emotional pain, psychological pain, mm-hmm. it starts to affect your body. So a lot of times, yeah, people who have been through sexual abuse, they experience a lot of body aches and. Uh, like you said, um, gut pain and um, all types of pain, pains in their back, pains yes. in their joints. I mean, your body really is affected by trauma. Um, and for Amen. a lot of people, I who agree. Been, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of people who have been through sexual abuse, they deal with Alzheimer's. So that's um, a lot of times you hear that it affects your brain and it makes your brain kind of revert back. It affects the growth of the brain. Um, just a lot of things happen during um, our exposed to sexual abuse or trauma of any type. What's your right. thought about that? Well, I agree 100%. Uh, 
I know men that uh, struggle with uh, emotional abuse. It affects different parts of their body, you know, some the shoulders, the back, the neck, the stomach, the legs. Um, yeah, I 100% believe in that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm convinced. Now, I don't have any scientific proof, but just my experience of 30 uh almost 32 years in HCA and I've gone to count, I've gone to countless AA, Al-Anon, SLAA, CODA, Al-Anon, OA meetings. Cause I, I, you know, they all, they all teach us something. So I'm not just exclusive. Well, I'm exclusive now because HCA has grown it back again in our, our, my area here. And before that HCA got so small, that, uh, you know, there'd be one meeting a week, maybe, uh, two meetings, but very small. So I started going to AA and Al-Anon meetings and CODA meetings because I wanted the fellowship. Because the healing in my book is the fellowship. The 12 steps are great, but they bring us together in the fellowship. In my in my understanding, that's how I how I talk about it is that yeah, the, the steps are great. Work the steps and uh, live by the steps is the way to live. But uh, the fellowship does the healing. Men helping men, women helping women. Then we get to be, get together as happier, healthier human beings, and we have better relationships. That's my understanding, and that's how I go about my mentoring. And it's so important that you said that because you talked about growing up, how you how you missed that, you didn't get that, you didn't get to build those relationships and, and have that fellowship, right? As you were growing <laughs> That's up, right? You know. Yes, I so didn't because my parents right. moved so much. Yeah, I'm sure it did. I mean, I have. You know, it's interesting, and I think I'll tell you now why I think how it. I think it impacted me. Um, I have no friends that I know from that are out of state or out of the city, really. None that I, I mean, I've got grandchildren. I've got grandchildren that live in Texas, Kansas, Quinta, California. Uh, but I don't have any friends that I make, like so many people I know, they say, oh, I'm gonna go visit my friend in New Jersey, you know, and my friend in Florida and this and that. I don't have any friends like that because once they leave, it kind of, you know, I guess it brings back my childhood of losing a friend or uh, because my parents uh, moving. So I don't have any out of the area friends really. I mean, I have some, but it's not, some place I want to go or or see, you know. I, I still have one friend I met in the Navy 60 years ago, and uh, uh, you know, we talk once in a while. I hadn't talked to him in 30 years, I think, but then we just made contact recently. And uh, but I just it's 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 because I moved so much as a kid. I have no desire to really attach myself to people that are long a distance away. 
I think that's wow, part of my Wow, thanks for we, we have two people on the line. Um, I want to bring them in. I just want to um, just kind of, like, again, go over. I want to open up the mic in case someone, you know, has a question or a comment if they've been following. Sure. Um, but definitely, um, you're so right. It's difficult for kids when they move a lot um, to really get a chance to connect with people, especially if they're normally yeah. that new kids uh, and or been bullied yeah. <laughs> with that, it, uh, it makes it really hard. There's, well, yeah, uh, I was shy. Bullied. I was shy, so I'm the new kid in the class, and you know the bully can identify the uh, the shy kid, right? Try and shape mm-hmm, them up. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> So it was, uh, I can laugh at it now, but it wasn't a lot of fun when I was young. Right. Yeah, that must have been very difficult um, going through bullying. I know I experienced some bullying growing up and being the new kid, and I know it was very, very difficult. How did your siblings handle that? Well, I don't know exactly because... We didn't talk about it. I mean, it wasn't, uh, we didn't know it affected us when we were younger, for sure. And as we got mm-hmm. older, you know, these things don't make a, you know, when you're in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, you're kind of bulletproof. You're doing your life. You're raising children. You're starting businesses, uh, doing your careers. Uh, when you know, when you're young like that, you don't think about what happened to you when you're a kid, right? I mean, it, it, it had mm-hmm. no no reason to think about it. But I noticed in my many years in ACA that a vast majority of people uh, that have come into ACA are in their late 40s or later or older because mm-hmm. this shit starts to hit the fan when you, you know, when you get older and you're, Kids are maybe gone, or your business, your career's on path, and you're not thinking about all kinds of million things to to distract mm. you from what's going on inside. And you know, we always act like we're so strong, like no, it's okay, no, it's okay, and then they'll hit us yeah, at yeah. a later point, and it comes yes. out. Yeah. Did any of you because, or I mean, your you siblings feel? <laughs> Go ahead. No, you don't. You don't have time to really think about it, right? It's a process. Right. No, there's no time to think about that stuff. I mean, it's it's done. You know, it's the past. Um, I I think my sister and brother, when they were younger, would say, "Oh, that's the past. It's a long time ago," and uh, they didn't realize, neither did I, until I did, spent a few years in ACA that. Uh, that our bodies remember every cell in our body has memory as far as I understand. And uh, 50 or 60 trillion cells remembering that uh, it's hard to get over. I mean, you got to work at it. Let's put it this way. It's not hard. It just takes consistent uh, focus on it. So, right. yeah, we done. never talked about that. Mm-hmm. What's that? I said it can't be done. Recovery is possible. Absolutely. You just have to take Absolutely, the steps. Yeah. You have to take the steps. Yeah, and, and consistently because 
because I know that if I were to stop mentoring men, stop going to meetings, uh, you know, meditating, praying, and all that stuff, I would default back in a short period of time back to the much, many of the uh, dysfunctional behaviors that I had had much of my life because they were in me from, from a very young age. So they're not going away overnight. But I find the journey in ACA and all the 12-step programs that I've been involved with, I, I love the journey. It's not a destination. It's a journey. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't look at it as like, okay, I'm going to graduate from ACA someday and then I'll go about my life. No, it's a journey. And it is my life. The men in my life, the people, my children, my grandchildren, you know, it's all part of my life. And I'm very happy. Great. That's beautiful. Um, okay. So I want to make sure that um, that we open up the mic for uh, some of the people yeah, who sure. are on the panel. Um, I see that we have Philip. I'm going to open up the mic, give you the opportunity to speak. If you don't have anything to say at the moment, it's okay. Uh, just let us know, and then uh, we'll go to the next person. But we would love to hear from you. Thank you. Yeah, Philip. Hello, Dr. Nancy. Hi. Good evening. Okay. Would you like to say uh, share any words? I don't know if you if you got in a little late or if you got a chance to hear a little bit of the story. I didn't hear any of it. Okay, so you didn't hear any of the story yet. Well, well, we did mention bullying, um, and, you know, he moved from place to place because his parents moved a lot, so it was hard for him to make connections in school. So, um, you know, and so he's never really had friends that he's known for years uh, until now that he's a part of the ACA, which is the Adult Children of Alcoholics. It's an uh, organization that, you know, he's been a part of for many years and has been very supportive to him. He's been able to build relationships with other men, and he himself is able to mentor other men. So um, do you have anything in regards to that part? I experienced bullying or just trying to get his. Oh, okay. I have a mentor. Great. And was that helpful to you? Yes, very helpful. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I will come back excuse around. Excuse me. I, I, excuse me. I didn't hear what you, uh, what the young man said. I, I couldn't hear oh, it. Oh, okay. It was... Sorry. Yes. He said he's a mentor. Uh, he has a mentor. No, I have a mentor. Yeah. He oh, has good. A mentor. Good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I think, I wish I'd had a mentor when I was, uh, uh, in my 20s, 30s, 40s, uh, because it's, it's you know, what we, like we have a saying in ACA, uh, my mind is like a dangerous neighborhood. We don't want to go there alone. And uh, I went to my mind alone all the time. And, uh, you know, I only know what I know. I don't know what two men know or three men know. Now I can, uh, at the stage I'm at now, I can ask two, three, four, five men 
the same question and get feedback from these men. So I wish I had that when I was 30 and 40 or 20, especially 22. Now, I have to be honest and say, would I have used it? Because, you know, I was raised at... Uh, men do things themselves. They don't ask for help, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would have used it at a younger age, but um, I wish I'd had it and known about it and used it. That would have made a big difference in my life. Uh, I'm not unhappy where I'm at. I'm very happy because I've been blessed beyond my wildest dreams, but uh, I'd have had a more, maybe more blessings. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. So so you have a a friend on the line. Um, Is is his name Robert? Let me open up his mic. Uh, He got here a little late, but I'm sure he caught. um, Is your name Robert as well? No, my name is Martinez. Oh, my name is Martinez. Martinez. (laughs) I know him. Yeah, can you hear me? Hi, Lane. How you doing, yeah, Robert? I hear you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Robert was talking. Robert was, uh, I call him Patrick. Pat- Patrick's been, you know, talking about working with men for many years. Uh, I met Ro- I met Patrick. Uh, uh, I met Patrick over uh, 30 years ago. He was actually the best man at, at my wedding. Uh, you know, I've had sobriety three times, five years, and, uh, you know, Patrick's been uh, been with me on a, on a wild ride. Uh, it's been a long journey. You know, my, my father passed, you know, my real father was never in my life. And, uh, my, my stepfather who raised me, you know, brought me into, a into a, a world of pack of wolves. By the way, I'm also, I'm on, I'm part of NASCAR. I've been on the show a few times as well. Uh, so, you know, pa- Patrick Stark is, uh, the closest thing that I, As I know to a Sorry, your my phone just went out. Okay. He's the closest thing to me of being a real father. He, he can tell you, I mean, the journey and the ride that uh, that I've been on, he, he's been on it with me. And, you know, I love him more than anything. You're doing a great job, Patrick. Wow. Thanks, Lang. Well, you're you're a good man. You're a great man. You're gonna great. You're gonna create great things. Because I've heard that a wounded uh, healer is the best healer. And you've been wounded, my friend. Yeah. So you can help a lot of people, and I know you have. Yeah. I'm also a uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic addict. I recently took five years sobriety, and I'm also a survivor mm-hmm. of sexual abuse and rape. Yep. That's painful oh, stuff. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, yeah. What What made you um, get to that place where you were ready to be sober? What was that thing that helped you to get there? Or what turned your life around? Oh, for me? Yeah. Yes. 
Oh, okay. Uh, well, what happened was is that uh, is that uh, it's that I just I, I got tired. You know, I, I didn't get sober until I was uh, fifty-five year. You know, until I was fifty-five years old. You know, and uh, and uh, and the journey was long. And I didn't realize about you know my my reasons for for the pain. You know, I've had sobriety three times five years, and you know people always ask why the five years, and and I'd say because of the pain. And then in uh, 2018, 2018, I realized the pain was is. Uh, I was sexually abused and I was I was raped uh, in a violent situation when I was 17 years old. You know, so I've uh, I've had multiple businesses. Patrick will tell you, him and I were in the same business together. I've been a millionaire, and uh, I ended up homeless. Uh, I ended up homeless mm-hmm. on the streets of Oxnard and uh, I mean Ventura County in L.A. You know, there was one time uh, many years ago that. Uh, in my addiction, I, I had nowhere to go, and I went looking for Patrick, and I wasn't ready. There was people calling him, and Patrick didn't know what to do, and, and I was on foot, and I was in psychosis, and I was just looking for Patrick, and it, it was uh, it was a hot it was a hot day, you know. Um, you know, recently, uh, a few years ago, uh, in my sobriety, I made some major mistakes. You know, trying to do things lines way and, and in the most cost of my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bill Murray was mm-hmm. part of that journey. Everybody was. You know, I was I was put in a situation where I was arrested for something that I didn't do, and it became very political. You know, I'm a I'm a known advocate. You know, in California. You know, I'm also you know I I've been on the show a few times, and you know I work with others. You know, as far as uh, working in the the homeless community, or working with people that are caught up in addiction, mostly co-occurring addiction and uh and some of uh, sexual abuse and rape. So I'm I'm part of NASCA. I'm part of Kill the Nine. I also have my other I have my own organization that's called uh Nobody Knows But Me. And uh we're getting ready to kick off and start a platform. Patrick's part of that and it's no longer a secret. So we're gonna try to bring the awareness that we've seen in the movie to the to the street. And uh that it's no longer a secret and bring survivors and other people to talk about these things and so that they can heal. Let them know that they, they're not responsible. They're not responsible because Uncle Juan had you sit on his lap numerous times. It wasn't your fault. So a lot of a lot of men mm-hmm. that Patrick talks about, I work with men differently. I work with men in the program. I work with gang members, stuff like that. So when I when I talk to them, I I try to let them know that because Uncle Juan wanted you to sit on his lap more than once. And you ask yourself, because you're all messed up, why they keep sitting on Uncle Juan's lap? The bottom line was, he was a fucking monster. You know, Uncle Juan, Uncle Juan, Uncle Juan groomed you and manipulated you. You played no part. And in the program of recovery, as Patrick talked about, you know, you know, unless you get total, unless there's transparency and honesty, you're not going to stay sober. And today I, I talk about it. Yes, uh, I, uh, I, w- I was raped. I had a penis put in my mouth. I begged the guy not to do something. He had a gun in my head. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay today. And I try to, I try to yeah. share my message with others and, that they can go ahead and say, hey, you know what? It happened to me. And you know what? F that, F that individual. You know what? He had no right. I played that part. And right. I don't care how many well, times I sat on the program. 
And I don't care how many times I sat on Uncle Juan's lap. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I play no part. We have to understand that we play no part. No, no part. They had no, they had no right. And I've I've done a lot of work with Patrick and Patrick's been with me on some long journeys and it's been, it's been a long time, 30 years almost till I finally got to where I'm at today. Thank you for sharing. The beauty of, uh, of the fellowship is, uh, uh, is, uh, that we're not alone. We're not the only ones that experience that. Because there's one young lady that came in the ACA uh, just a while ago that it, she liked. She liked the, the fact that it was me too. The me too aspect. You know, she was not alone anymore. And her and this woman had been sexually abused. She said since two years old. For God's sakes. I mean, you know, and uh, so. It's uh, it's the fellowship, as far as I'm concerned, that really does the, the business. But the the programs bring us together so that we can heal together, and uh, mm-hmm. that's what I love about the program. And the people here are always looking to improve themselves to be, have better lives. And I love being around people that are willing to look at themselves and not point the finger to other people. Uh, I mean, children being abused, is they're victims. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, we I have um, Bob on the line, mm-hmm. and he wanted to also um, make a comment. Go ahead. Yeah, I love what you're sharing. Yeah, for me, um, we're all victims of victims, and if you don't hand it back, you pass it on. So for um, healing the wounds of my childhood with the help of John Bradshaw was the most powerful work I've ever done. And um, when you say you have no friends in distant places, when you've got a friend here, mate, come come and visit me in the Whitsunday Islands, and I'll take you you around the islands. (laughs) Love to see it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, I hope they give you my email address, Bob, and we and can communicate. There's a, another caveat, um, a little image that I use. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love to be in service to others, but yes, there's that situation. Just imagine you know, you're in an airplane, it hits turbulence at 30,000 feet, you know, and you're gripping mm-hmm. white knuckle to the arms of the chair, and the oxygen mask <laughs> come down. Yeah, uh-huh. and so, so, uh, you know, whose mask do you put on first? Yours. So for me, that's yeah. that's the primary message. It's it's yeah. great to be in service to others, but if you're broken, yeah. how can, if you don't love yourself, how can you love anybody else? So for me, my yeah. number one, yeah, my number one job is my own well-being, and also, yeah. for me, my mind. My mind is just a tool that I use when I choose because I'm so much more than my mind. And then the and these yeah. are all in my books. And and um, yeah, this little phrase I love it. The the feeling that you swallow yeah. today will someday come back and choke you. Amen. Oh, that's so true, Bob. So true. Because uh, I know, agree with you. It festers inside. It festers yeah. inside. Well. 
it's well, I it's look like, forward to uh, chatting with you on the, the email. So my body, if, uh, if anybody, can I just finish my hello? this statement? Yeah. Oh sure, I'm me, sorry. It's hard to coordinate. <laughs> Uh, for me, my body is so much smarter than me, it always knows mm-hmm. what it needs. All I have to do yeah. is listen to my body and obey. Yep. Yeah. Very well, good. That was good. Excellent. Thank you, Bob. That's what works for me. And, um, yeah, I've got to go take the dog for a walk now because he's bouncing around like a, like a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Okay. We appreciate you. Thank you, folks. Thank you. Bye bye, Bob. Okay, I had a uh, question. Um, so, what's your friend's name? So I could just write it down. Lang, L A N G. Martinez. Okay, L A N G. Okay, Lang. Okay. Well, I, I was so happy okay. to hear from uh, your friend and be able to hear the impact that you've made in so many people's lives. I think that's just so powerful. How did that make you feel? I mean, he started crying. Well, uh, he said you're the closest yeah, thing know. to a father to him. Yeah, uh, it's uh, well. I mean, I'm I, I feel honored, of course, and uh, uh, I don't I, I don't know what I did to make him. You know, I mean, I've been there with him for through hell and heaven and hell. He's gone through a lot, and I understand his pain and. Uh, as much as I can, because I know his childhood, or quite a bit of it, and I know it was hell even before he got sexually abused, and and the sexual abuse is probably a result of the hell he was raised in. You know what I mean? These perpetrators can see the weakness in a person, in a young person. They see it. They see it in their eyes, and uh, they take advantage of these. So I just have a lot of compassion and empathy for him and I know he's a good man he comes across as tough sometimes but he's uh he's really a pussycat inside so that's it that's, that's my story that's and I'm sticking to it <laughs> Robert I wanted to ask you um how close are you to um Los Angeles about 40 miles northeast. Okay, because the reason why I'm saying is... Um, northwest, in northwest, June, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. It had told me. I mean, I don't know directions or nothing. Yeah, right. But anyway, um, every June we have a... Uh, it's called the Script Conference, like writing scripts, uh-huh. you know? See, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every June, uh-huh. and it's a free conference. And I've been going... I went the last two years. It's just amazing. And uh, so uh-huh. I can't recommend it. We all meet up, and I just want to... Make sure everybody knows about it because, you know, some people like me have to plan ahead. <laughs> I have to put the money away to go. Yeah, yeah, and, I guess so. You know, I told Bill, it? we can't just be announcing it that month or the month before we need to stop just throughout the year so people okay. can, you know, put money aside. But um, maybe I'll get Got to meet it. you then. Um, I really enjoy oh, the story. Great. I just want to say how courageous you are to come on and, and share it because, you know, every time somebody comes on, it's bits and pieces that are going to really help other people yeah you know that's why i like going to meetings because i hear so many stories that help me right and then i share my story that can help somebody else that's the exactly the way the program works right Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yep. Strength and hope. Yep. So I have a question for you, um, Robert. I know you talk a lot yes. about God. Where did this relationship with God come from? Were, were you taught about God from your parents, from your grandparents? Just you yourself found God? How did God come in your life? And we got nine minutes left of well, this show. Oh, okay. Well, it's, uh, I was raised Catholic by my mother. My dad was not Catholic, uh, so I believed in God through my mother. And uh, I believed in God until I was in my, first, you know, 21 or so, and I had a friend in Italy that convinced me there was no God, right? That uh, He was an atheist. But uh, And then... Uh, I forget when, but in my 20s, something something happened, not happened to me, but something I saw, Said I said to myself, well, there has to be a God, you know, that just has to be. And then, of course, I haven't really stayed in touch with God too much until I got into uh, uh, ACA. And then I, um, you know, with the, you know, first step, you know, I mean, the steps, turn it over to God, uh, all that kind of stuff, right? So pray and meditate. <clears throat> pray and meditate. And so uh, I just developed a, a, a belief that there's a, a, there's a creator and, uh, and that uh, he set up laws in our universe here that, uh, that work perfectly. I think a lot of my fortune is that I've always been kind of a, a positive thinker uh, in much of my life. Uh, and I see and I've learned that, uh, you know, I've seen people in program too that had a lot of, they have a lot of negative thoughts, just a lot of negative thoughts. And these poor people have more bad things happen to them than you could imagine. I mean, you know, you couldn't plan it that bad. And uh, I, uh, so, you know, I wake up for what I have. And I'm, to believe me, I'm not rich or anything. I live on Social Security and some savings I managed to save before I retired. Uh, but I'm happy as hell. And, I, I, and I'm grateful for what I have. Very, very grateful, grateful for my children three beautiful children. I have seven beautiful grandchildren. And in a day or two, I'll have my sixth great-grandchild. So I, I'm blessed beyond all imagination, at least my imagination. <laughs> it's, it's been just a wonderful life, you know. But it's ups and downs. Don't get me wrong. It isn't, uh, hasn't been all roses, but it's uh, the roses way outweigh the uh, negative, and uh, so that's it, you know. And 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 I see the the beauty of life, you know. Little children born, and and, and I mean, how could how could that be an accident? A, a sperm and an egg get together and create a human being. That to me is uh, cannot be an accident. That's a miracle. That's how I see it. That's yeah. a miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a miracle. I mean, my gosh. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. So I wanted to, I wanted yeah, to say so, too that um I had a I had a really negative um higher power, you know, just the way that I was raised it was a angry, hateful, vengeful, punishing God, you know. And my sponsor uh-huh. told me she said, If you don't have a loving, caring God, you can borrow mine. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I well, just thought that was so it. cool. <laughs> well, when I when I got the ACA and, and realized things, I fired the old God, right? right? I fired the God that I was raised with, right? right? Which wasn't the real God. That was the punishing Catholic, you know, hell yep. and brimstone yep. and fire. Yep. But, uh, yeah. and, uh, That's a lot of so, uh-huh. yeah, so I think, I think God set it up the rule, the, the laws of the universe and humans together that, Negativity will bring about negative consequences. Mm-hmm. The deeper your negative thoughts are, and I have this one man that's a great guy, I love him, but poor guy has got more problems, but he's got such negative thinking. I mean, I think he's got, I think our negative energy draws negative circumstances around us because. Yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I couldn't even tell you the details of all that stuff. We could spend here all night, but, uh, exactly. It's just, yep. Yeah. Have you ever heard the Nazca so, serenity? Prayer? It's no, please grant no, no. me the serenity. Oh, I'll read it. Please grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly to forgive myself because I always try my best and the wisdom to know that I am a good person with a kind heart. Oh, that's a good and one. Say that, yeah, I never heard say of that. that at the Zoom meetings that we do. I just wanted to put a plug in there that we have. Oh, well, Zoom thank you. Meetings. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Yes, that's yep. wonderful. Now, yeah. uh, I'm ta- who are you? Just, what's your name that I'm talking to now? Uh, Victoria Kelly. Re- oh, you're Victoria. Okay. And the other yeah. woman is Nancy? Dr. Nancy. Uh-huh. Dr. Nancy. Okay, great. Right. Well, it's been wonderful, uh, and thank you for uh, having me on. I didn't yeah, know I'd be talking so much, to be honest again. with you. Uh-huh. I thought people would just be asking me questions, but I didn't know I'd be talking so darn much. So. Oh, uh, you did a great job. Yeah, you really did great. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we'd like to have you back on. We'd like to invite our guests back on and also to come on um, – as I saw a panel um, any Monday through Friday night, same time and stuff for everybody. And all these shows are archived. So if you want to share, you know, oh, this show. Great. Or if you want to go back and look, what, what number are we on, Dr. Nancy? Like 3,000 something? Yeah, we're on yeah, 3293. Yeah, there's a number in my three. email. And, yeah. yeah, we're on scan number 3293. And we are down to two minutes. So if you want to share any last words. For your audience tonight, Mr. Robert, we would love to hear them. You have a minute and 53 seconds. Well, I would say that uh, whatever your situation is, being in fellowship with other uh, people, uh, other uh, if you're a man with men, because men understand men better than anybody else does, right? So uh, I would say just... Uh, uh, 
yeah, just uh, get together with other men or if you're a woman, get together with women because women understand women better than men do and men understand men, men better than women do. So it's the way God made it, and I think it works great. Uh, it worked great for thousands and thousands of years before we got modern so-called modern technology and stuff and, and isolated ourselves. We're so isolated. Try and come out of isolation. Isolation is a real, uh, real damaging to uh, a, a life that's uh, happy and, and joyous and free. So that's my that final thought is just be, be, get involved with people. Even if it's uncomfortable for you, it will become more comfortable. Because I remember when it was uncomfortable for me, and now I'm as comfortable as, uh, well, I can't think of the analogy, but I'm comfortable with, mm-hmm. with men and women. But now, now yeah. especially men, I was afraid of men. So that's okay. it. Well, thank you so much. Yes, because right now it's, we're down to 10 seconds. Just wanted to thank you for those words. And just remember... Uh, what Mr. Roberts said, find a community and don't isolate. Thank you for joining us tonight okay. on that. Good night. Good night. Night. Love Talk Radio.